Welcome to the Media Timeout Podcast. Let's be great. Let's be great. You're home for the sports content you want with the authenticity you need. Have some fun out here. You know, enjoy the journey of all this. We're trying to get 16 wins and going after a gold trophy. Where nothing is out of bounds. Now welcome your host, Jamal Tanner. Hello, my people. What a hell of a game we just got done watching. I'm usually supposed to be introducing everybody, but I want to get straight to that game. UCLA versus Gonzaga. That's one of the best games I think I've ever seen. I don't, I'm trying not to get caught up in the recency, bi- recency bias. I can't think of anything better than that. We'll get more into it. We're going to talk about the tournament today, both the men's and the women's side. We've had some great games. We're going to talk a little bit about our favorite basketball celebrations in honor of Drew Timmy and his staff celebration. We're going to talk Roy Williams retiring and some of the coaching changes that we've seen in in men's college basketball, and then we're going to talk pro days. Uh, But let's get back to it. Gonzaga-UCLA, back and forth affair. UCLA pretty much plays the perfect game, and Jalen Suggs rips their heart out with a half-court heave off the glass to win it. What what are your reactions when you see that, Nick? Man, that game. Yeah, that was crazy. I I thought it was going to double overtime instantly. Like, as soon as old boy Juzang hit the layup or the – little up and under layup. I thought, okay, double overtime, let's go again. I'm ready for some more t- some more ball. But Suggs was ready to go home. He said, I call a game. He got the ball, kind of a little running start. Got a nice kind of position. He wasn't really at half court, maybe a step or two in front. Almost a Dame Lillard, Steph Curry area three that they would probably take in the league. So he, I guess, preparing for that next level. But as soon as it left his hands, it looked like a decent shot and off that glass, went through, it was over. And I love the celebration of jumping on the table. I always love a good jump on the table when you hit a game winner. Prime D-Wade just yelling at the crowd. This it did remind me of D-Wade. That's what I was thinking when I saw it. I was like, that's D-Wade shit right there. But yeah, I mean, ultimately, like you said, when he hit that, I was like, okay, we got double overtime. And then I saw him take off, and I was like, okay, he's going to shoot a little half court. But you could kind of see it in the air. And you're like, that looks online to me. And then it goes off the glass, and man, that's just wild. Like, I feel so bad for UCLA because they played their asses off. Johnny Juzang has, has made himself a lot of money in this tournament. He don't need yes, to hang he his has. head because he's going to be a millionaire very soon because of what he did in this tournament. Tiger Campbell played well. Cody Riley came to play today. I was super impressed with Cody Riley. He went up toe-to-toe with Drew Timmy, and honestly, they, he kind of canceled him out, really. Because the the way he played pretty much mirrored Timmy, you know. So that was a big win for UCLA. I don't think you're expecting to get the same production out of Cody Riley as they get out of, out of Drew Timmy. Um, but so, sadly enough, somebody had to lose that game. Hats off to Gonzaga for kind of gutting it out. Because um, they didn't... We had talked about them offensively, but usually they're also a pretty good defensive team. And... They weren't really today. No. Um, UCLA is not a team that usually scores this much. Um, they went the whole time we were talking about it. it was like we were like they're gonna have to slow down Gonzaga, and they were like, "Now nah, we're going punch for punch with them. We standing up with them," and they almost pulled it out. And that's like I said, that's off the top of my head. I can, top three college basketball game I've ever seen. And honestly, I'm calling it top three because I know I'm forgetting something, but. <laughs> I think that's conservative saying top three because that was start to finish a great game. 
No, it was. And it actually started off kind of slow because the first 10 minutes, it wasn't a lot of offense. It was it was a pretty low scoring game. And I I that's when I really kind of started to worry about uh, Gonzaga just from the pace it started. And it wasn't much scoring. And I they couldn't really shake UCLA. What uh, whatever they did, they never really got out the big leads. Just everything was as close the whole way. And then towards the end of the uh, half, it started to get going and it started to get, you know, flowing. Some shots, some good shots were being taken on both sides. And, you know, Gonzaga really doesn't ever take bad shots. They always usually get a good to great shot. So, you know, they're going to score points just off of running good offense and getting the shot they want a lot of the time. But like you said, you were surprised as well as I was with the scoring UCLA was able to do. And to keep up with the Zags and that halftime score, I think, was like 45, 43 or something like that. Like, it was pretty close. It, and it was in the mid to high, you know, 40s. So that was pretty good for UCLA, which is a team that doesn't, you know, score that many points. And is really trying to slow the game down and play defense and literally walk the ball up the court every time they get the ball. Yeah, I think you make a great point. Gonzaga is a team that for all the stars they have, they don't force the ball, force shots pretty much at all. And that's uncommon for teams that have that many playmakers on their team. Um, they always seem to get a good shot. Nimhard played very well today. He's always the guy that kind of doesn't, the forgotten man. He's obviously a very good player, but you got to give him something. And that's usually who you, who you kind of allow to get off. Ayayi also played very well today. He showed his stock and why a lot of people see him as a late first round pick. He played a hell of a game. Um, Really, it was just a great game. Uh, UCLA came to play. They made big shots. They played, I mean, good enough defense. I mean, really, when you think about it, nothing easy came for Gonzaga. They just, I mean, that's just what they do. They score points. So I always make the joke about Mick Cronin and how I never want to play for him because he just is like an angry man. But hell, if he ain't a great coach, he, he found a way to to get that team that was outmatched from a talent standpoint and they stuck with him right then, right there. They had a hell of a season. Hats off to Mick. I still ain't sending my son there, but he's a great <laughs> coach. And, and he, he found a way, really, to beat a bunch of teams that he shouldn't beat. And he, he's got a great program going there. And I know UCLA will be back, even though it more than likely will be without Johnny Juzang because I don't he see don't. how he don't capitalize on this and, and go pro. Like, he's not going to get higher at this point. So, yeah, go get that bag, Johnny. Um Moving on to a game that wasn't as good, uh, Baylor versus Houston. Baylor pretty much from about 15 minutes in, I would say, just not even 15 minutes in, I mean five minutes in, 15 minutes yeah. left in the first half. Yeah. They pretty much just took over. They went on like a little 10-0 run, and it was Murder, She Wrote from there because Butler got off, and then Mitchell was setting everybody up, and... Honestly, Macy O.T. didn't even really do anything until the second half. He's, he was scoreless at halftime, and they were still up 25. They just went, it was a full-on dominant performance. I felt bad for Houston because they, basically, Baylor just outdid them at their own game. They were like, okay, you play like this, we're better at playing like this. And then, no, not even that. They said, you play like this? Okay, we're going to play like this, even though we can play a different way. We're just going to play your game and show you that we can do this better, too. Because Baylor's a good three-point shooting team. Like, it, Well, they just showed that today, that they're really good yeah. at shooting threes. But the whole tournament, they really hadn't shot well. And they today showed that 
they the truth at shooting. And it showed along with being able to keep Houston off the boards, which is what Houston specializes in, because they're not a good shooting team. Their whole game plan is throw that thing up on the backboard, go get it a couple times, and eventually, hopefully, the third time around, it'll go down or something. It is a little bit of Moses Malone-esque, isn't it? I feel like if you didn't know who the head coach, you'd be like, is that Moses Malone, Coach Steve? Is that what they do? So, yeah, I mean, ultimately, another thing that surprised me is Butler kind of bullied them a little bit, and Kelvin Sampson don't have no teams that that are bitches, you know what I mean? Like, that, those teams are usually tough teams. I wasn't expecting to see Butler's physicality bother them so much, and they took it to them, and... You could tell, I felt like in the first half, they were a little demoralized. They needed halftime. They came out in the second half much better, but at that point, it was already curtains. So, I don't know. That Baylor team, that was really impressive. I was impressed with both of both Gonzaga and Baylor for different reasons. Obviously, Baylor pretty much pitched the shutout. You know, they did what they came to do. But Gonzaga really gritted one out, and we, like we've never seen them have to do that. And so for them to have to do that their first time in the Final Four, undefeated season on the line, I was really impressed with that. So we're getting the matchup we want to see. It's yeah, Baylor, it's hard. Gonzaga. That's the one I said from the beginning. I, I want to see it. I don't want to see this upset. As much as I thought it would have been a cool story for UCLA to get that win, part of me would have been hurt because I, I, we wouldn't have got to see the matchup that got canceled earlier in the season. So with that said, who you got? Man, after watching today, I would have. I think I would have been more torn if Gonzaga would have won the way that Baylor did. But watching Baylor play today, I got Baylor. Like, I just think they're going to out-physical Gonzaga, and they're going to impose their will. And after watching Gonzaga, I still think Gonzaga's a good team. I'm not trying to take anything away from them, but I just think if Baylor played UCLA, that game would have not been close. I think... Butler would have put the foot on their throat and just said, "No, you're not even gonna be Cinderella. You're not gonna get a good. You're not gonna get to overtime. This isn't gonna happen like this." So just watching Baylor today, I'm I'm really high on Baylor now. And I think they're gonna. I'm not gonna say easy, but I think it's gonna be a ten plus point win. Honestly, at this point, that's that's a bold statement right there. I mean, because you got to think about it. it. Wasn't that many games ago? In fact, it may have been. Whenever Baylor played Villanova, you could have said the same thing because they took a team that didn't have their their point guard and it was a really close game when I don't feel like that game should have been that close. So I feel like Gonzaga having a scare isn't any different than Baylor having a scare previously. I, I mean, those type of things are going to happen in a, in a tournament. I think the fact that they show the resolve and the resilience to win that game. I think that means something, and every game is different. To your point, my biggest advantage that I felt like Baylor had is I felt like they could punk Gonzaga a little bit, that that was what I thought that they would try to do. But after watching Suggs, I think Suggs is going to be that heartbeat that they need and that grit that they need. Because that play against Cody Riley, when he made that block, yeah. Went and got the rebound and threw that Jason Kidd dime across the court. I lost my damn mind when I saw that. My my son was looking at me like, "What the hell is going on, Pop?" Because that was that was beautiful. Like that, like that was an unbelievable play. And I think Gonzaga in the past has has been missing a guy with that kind of grit. They've always been kind of seen as a finesse team, 
a talented team, but you can kind of bully them. I don't think Suggs allows Gonzaga to get bullied like that. And I think they pull off a close game. I would call it a, let's call it a five-point win. I think Gonzaga completes their undefeated season. I, my problem with that is, can Timmy hold down the four if Baylor's attacking all game? Because that's going to be my question. He's really their only big guy they play. So, yeah, or, but, I, I mean, I, I for, they play I Anton Watson. That. Yeah, yeah, they, yeah. But it, even him, like, with Baylor, like, I just don't see them being able to stop Baylor from attacking and doing whatever Baylor wants to do all game, either going inside, shooting threes. I like Gonzaga. I just don't like their depth. Is when they have to go deeper and get deeper into the bench. I don't like them. It falls off quick. It it it's a it's a quick fall once they got to start playing people. That it's play. a quick fall, but I think that's more to do with how good their first five is than it is to say that their bench isn't good. Yeah, I mean, but they need all play, those guys. You got Baylor. When you got five pros as your starting five, yeah, I mean, there's going to be a fall off when you go to your bench because you probably don't have a pro on your bench. So, really, they only go, what, about seven deep? They play Aaron Cook, gets a cup of coffee in the game, and then Watson plays probably about 15, 20 minutes tops. I mean, so to your point, I don't think they're very deep. I don't think they've ever really had to be deep because of how good their their first five is. Um, they also have Julian Strother, who's a really high recruit. He just can't find any minutes on this team. I don't know if I would say that they don't have depth. I do think there is a, a very visible fall off, but I don't think that's an indictment on their bench as much as it just shows how good their first five is. I think it scares me how many points they let UCLA score. I think that scares me because they're going up against a better offensive team and a better defensive team than Baylor. Like Baylor, like let's be real about it. Baylor is a better offensive team and a better defensive team than UCLA has been all year long. Played in a better conference, played better competition year throughout the whole year. So I'm and just, we say they play the better conference because the Pac-12 showed their ass all, all tournament. <laughs> I mean, I know going into the tournament, I would have just agreed with you. I'd have been like, yo, yeah, yeah. I mean, okay. But so I mean, what's this tournament? But I'm, I'm talking about them versus Gonzaga now. I'm talking about, like, now I've taken UCLA out to the side. But, I mean, they, UCLA isn't known to score as many points. They don't do this. So it's but, alarming I mean, that Gonzaga let them do this. I mean, but Johnny's been busting ass all tournament. Like, he gave Michigan's a very good defensive team, and he gave them thirty. So it's not like this ain't been what Johnny Juzang has done all tournament. Um, Jaime Hakez, I think it's Hakez. I want to call him Wakez, but I want to call him the wrong thing. I guess he's been very good. I mean, he was honestly average today, but he was still good. Tiger Campbell has been struggling. He played really well tonight, and then like I said, Cody Riley played out of his mind. The thing that I don't think Baylor has to challenge Gonzaga in the way that UCLA was able to challenge Gonzaga is they don't have a guy that can make Timmy have to guard because you're not throwing the ball to Chamwa Chachua. You're not throwing the ball to Flo Thamba. Like, you're not doing that. So Timmy really isn't going to have to exert himself on defense. You can pretty much hide him all game. The only thing he's going to have to do is keep them off the boards. Like, that's his. That's really going to be his thing. He's going to show really hard on the screen, he's going to get back, and he's got to box out. Like, that's the end of what he's going to have to do all game. Whereas, Riley was going through Timmy. Like, Riley was making Timmy play both sides of the ball, whereas Baylor doesn't have a guy for that. Like, honestly, I didn't think UCLA had a guy for that, but Cody Riley showed 
like I said, he played really well today. But I know for a fact that ain't going to be Chama Chachawa. He ain't doing that. Like, <laughs> as much as I love the way he plays, to me, he's a guard's dream. But he ain't a dream in the fact that you're going to throw him the ball in the post and going to go get one. And neither is Flo Thamba. So I get what you're saying as far as them being able to. I don't think Gonzaga's going to have a great answer for stopping Butler and Mitchell from getting into the paint. I think that could be a concern. And to your point, they don't really have a shot blocker either. So I could see Mitchell living in the paint. I could see Butler living in the paint. But on the other end of the court, as good as they are defensively, I don't see Mitchell getting up under Suggs and Suggs being that concerned about that. Like, I don't, like, Mitchell's a great defender, but I don't think he's going to bother Suggs like he, like the same way he bothered Giroux or the same way he bothered Grimes. I don't think that's what's going to happen. And then since they play a two-point guard set, like, Nimhards also can run the offense. So essentially the way I look at that is, okay, you got Mitchell guarding Suggs. All right, we're going to run the offense through Nimhard as far as bringing it up. Okay, you got him guarding Nimhard. Okay, Suggs is going to initiate the offense. Because I think Butler's a good defender, but he don't get you all balanced the same way that Mitchell does. Mitchell's attacking you on defense. Butler stays in front, but he ain't really attacking you like that, like 94 feet. Like, Mitchell's got a little Pat Bev in him. And the fact that he's like, Mr. 94 feet, I'm, I'm, this is what I do. This is the only thing I really want to do. I'll score on offense, but I'd rather just like lock your ass up. So I don't, I don't know. We'll see what happens. I, I, it's not like I'd be surprised if Baylor Wayne got that win. But I think, to, I think there's – they both have weaknesses that the other team can exploit. So that's what I think makes this matchup really, really intriguing. Um Butler's going to have to bully them. I really think so. Because, I mean, in some ways, UCLA kind of bullied them a little bit. Just kind of muddied it up a little bit. I mean, it's kind of weird to say that they muddied it up in a game that was 93-90. to 90, But they still found a way to make it a little... It wasn't as pretty aesthetically as Gonzaga usually plays. Like, even though they were scoring, it wasn't easy scores. It wasn't highlight reel scores, really. It was tough. And... We're, we're going to have to see. We're really we're just going to have to see what happens because it could go either way. I got Gonzaga because I think they play, played probably one of their worst games of the season, found a way to win it. So I think they'll bounce back. All right. We'll see. Like you said, we'll see. I'm going to stick. As of right now, I'm going to stick to my Baylor plus 10, but I'll give it a data. You know, let me think about it a little bit more. I, I also, I don't think it's. I don't think it's happenstance that Baylor happens to play in the state of Texas and you pick and you pick Baylor. I mean, I know how you you ride for them Texas boys, so I don't I, think that's a. I knew one team from Texas was going to be in the game, so you know. I mean, you did know that, so <laughs> I, I I don't think that's a coincidence that you pick you riding with the Texas team. Yeah. Uh, switching over to the women's side, uh, we had a big upset in there, so UCLA wasn't able to to beat Goliath. Um, but Arizona was able to knock off UConn, and really they kind of won wire to wire. They were up ten at half, and ended up winning the game by ten. Uh, Ari McDonald is kind of the the darling of the ball right now. Everybody's talking about her because she played a hell of a game. Uh, really, they did kind of the same thing. They used the same formula that UCLA essentially attempted to steal, uh, which is you have your one player that's going to give you the offense. And then you're just going to lock up on the other side of the ball and and let that be enough. 
didn't quite work out for UCLA, but it it really worked for for Arizona. So uh, you watched that game, right, Nick? Tell me tell me what you thought. What were your impressions of Arizona in that in that game? Uh, in Arizona versus UConn, right? Correct. Yep. Right. Okay. Yes. Make sure I went out for a second. Yes. <laughs> I liked Arizona. <laughs> I, I love watching them play. Of course, I hadn't seen them play. Man, big ups to the Pac-12 men's and women's side. Sorry. Yeah, so they out here hooping. So, so sorry from everybody. I will apologize for everybody. Don't worry. They are hooping. So I didn't get much. To, I didn't watch Arizona much this year. I'm not going to lie. So this is really pretty much my first time watching them. I didn't even watch them in the game leading up to it. I had missed that. So... I was I didn't really know what they were about, so I was really excited to watch them play versus UConn, especially a team UConn. We all know uh, Paige Beckers is the person they talk about the most, AP Player of the Year, freshman, all that. And Arizona wasn't afraid; they came out balling from Jump Street. Uh, McDonald was hooping. I love her game. Step backs. She's dribbling with the ball through people. She ain't afraid to shoot threes. Go to the hoop. Being the smallest person on the court, I just love her game altogether. She was even uh, at points uh, checking Paige backers, trying to get underneath her, get all up in her grill. So I really love Arizona Swagger. And they, those girls were not scared one bit of Connecticut. And this show, the whole game, every time Connecticut punched them, they just punched back. And they weren't going away. They weren't Their coach coached them up really well. I think they played the disrespect factor uh, card to a T with the uh, NCAA promo leaving them out of the Final yeah, four wild. promo, three, like you know, four teams, and you have three, you know, probably could learn how to count, but that's, you if know. If I'm UConn, I'm trying to slip them into that promo just so uh, they, don't, <laughs> they don't have that bulletin board but series. That's not ever a good thing, so I think. I'm like, we made a little cut for Arizona. You want to put this in there, too? <laughs> yeah, so all that being said, they were the better team that night, and UConn might have been the better team all year, but it's NCAA tournament. You, It's a one and done. You have to bring it – every game until you win the ship and Arizona got him. It sure as hell did. Um, you mentioned their coach and coach Barnes has a fan in me. I don't know if you saw at the, I'm not sure if you saw at the end of that game, uh, when they did their celebration and you could see her mouth, something like something like nobody thought we could do this. And then she was like, fuck them or something. I don't know what she said exactly, but <laughs> there was a, there was an F-bomb in there somewhere. And, and two middle fingers, I believe. Also. Yeah, and the middle fingers, looking like Tupac or whatnot, <laughs> throwing that up. And then they asked her about it, and she was just like, you know what? I don't apologize at all. It was a moment with my team, and not ride with that. So I love her attitude. Her team seems to embody exactly who she is, and... They went out there and they took on her personality as a team and they kind of went out there unafraid and they they went and took one from UConn. And it wasn't like it was seemed like a fluke. Uh, I'm not sure if they won a seven-game series with UConn, but that was no accident that happened that day. When, like, they, they, they were the better team and they went out and took a win. And hats off to them, man. Like They, they were hooping. Like you said, Ari McDonald, she was on another level. I, I I really respect the hell out of that team, and I think it'll be a great matchup, all Pac-12 matchup, because of the other game. Uh, we had Stanford versus South Carolina. That was a one-point game. Went down to the wire. 
I want to get into the end of it. I want. I'm gonna let you break it down a little bit first. But tell me what you saw when, when in that game. That was a nut. I mean, the women's side. What can, what can we say about that tournament? That tournament has been good all the way through. A little weird that it's usually the women's tournament's a little bit more chalk ish than the men's. But then the men's is the two ones, and this year it's a one and a six. So it's a little bit different uh, than usual for the women's side. But I. I like Stanford a lot. I was, I like their game. They, they're going with height. They're like, we're going to put these girls out there that look like volleyball players that are tall across the court. We're going to play solid defense, solid offense. And we're going to see what you can do against this. Can you rebound? Can you play consistent a whole game? And South Carolina did give them credit. South Carolina is a good program that brings it every game. Their coach, Don Staley has them coached up every game. They are not, there's not a lot of teams that are going to be out coached when you're South Carolina, you're not going to get out coached. So you're going to be in every game because of her. And they had their chances. They had two clean looks at the end of regulation or not clean. I should say the second one, probably more clean than the first attempting drive and layup miss. But man, that's a bunny. I, I feel bad, but she's got to make that shot at the end of that. that game. That's bless her heart. That's good. That's, that's going to hurt. Like, It's a bunny for the win. Like she hustled, she got down there, she got the rebound. She's got to make that, and she knows and that. I mean, that's the worst shot when you're on defense too. Is you defend the first one well, and that second shot is wide open. And as a defender, you're like, "Where is everybody? There's nobody yeah, around, really." Exactly, and I don't know, man. We is she knows it, you know. Like she was in tears probably before the ball even hit the ground. She was distraught and I mean I feel for her, man. Like that's ain't nothing really to be said. Uh, you just gotta, you know, hold her, console her, cause you can't really say nothing to her, you know. It's just nah. kinda is what it is, you know, like you missed it, you don't get another shot at it. You just gotta deal with that hurt. So I mean, it's just tough. I mean, no, it's just it, like it, it, I don't know what to it, say it, about it. Like, but I, but but to be fair, I honestly do think Stanford was the better team that night. Also, like if South Carolina would have won on that shot, they would have won. But I believe throughout that game, Stanford was the better team. I was more impressed with Stanford uh, throughout that game, and I, I think it's going to be a good matchup. Obviously, these teams, two teams, know each other playing in the Pac-12. And I don't know their record, you know, what they, how their games played out this year versus each other. And I have to look at that. And I probably won't take much stock in it. I'll probably take a little bit. But I like Stanford already coming as a matchup with these two teams just from watching them play. So I'll probably, I'll probably ride with Stanford in this game. I do think, I mean, man, Arizona's dangerous right now. Like Barnes is coaching and them girls is, them girls is playing. But yeah, uh, I mean, if I'm if I'm honest, I'm probably taking my I'm probably taking Stanford, but I'm rooting for Arizona. I'm yeah, gonna do that now. So like my my mind saying I think Stanford size is going to be a little too much. But damn it, if I'm not rooting for Arizona, I want to see them win that shit. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's where I'm at right now. This is one of those. I just love the way I, they play honestly, ball. I, I won't so, be hurt who wins. Like who yeah. wins wins, and that's cool. 
I'm gonna be a little hurt if Arizona loses. I think they're gonna lose, uh, but I'm, you, I'm, gonna be, I'm gonna be a little hurt because. But I'll be, I don't know, man, I, I love they're that coach. There. I don't care. They there. You know what I mean? Like I'm hurting for UCLA. They was the eleven seed. Yeah, they weren't supposed Ooh. to be there either. But I'm still hurting for them. So yeah, I, I like I said that Arizona's coach got a fan of me. I'm following her career from here on out. Telling you so. I, I, I want to see them pull that off. Off of this and, little run, and I want to see if they win it. I, I need them to go ahead and pull off the censors and just let her talk. Let her say what she got to say, unfiltered. Let HBO take it over for like the five minutes where she can rant. And I want to hear that. <laughs> Maybe they can put on ESPN Plus, so then she can use yeah, something. It'll be okay. Or maybe then you know bleep it on the air, but then like let's put it on 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 Twitter or something uncensored. To give me uncut give me something version? to where, it's, yeah, I can say an uncut version when I like put the a parental advisory sticker on it on the corner like a like a uh, like an album cover or something. So, <laughs> album cover. So yeah, I, I mean I got Stanford, but I'm gonna be rooting for Arizona. I'm I'm gonna have to hit up my boy Taylor see if he got an Arizona jersey that he can ship me. So I can be rocking that, uh, rocking my Ari McDonald jersey, brand new one, tax still on it, because I ain't going to sit here in front like I've been repping her for a long time, but <laughs> I've seen a lot of that. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's my team. <laughs> I've seen a lot of that capping on Twitter with people acting like they've been talking about Ari McDonald for their whole career or something like that, like they saw this coming. I'm like, nah, let's let's be real about it. You you were introduced to her today, and yeah. that's that's for me. I mean, that's when I was introduced to her, and didn't take long. She got a fan of me. Barnes got a fan. I'm rooting for, for Arizona, but like I said, my, my mind's telling me Stanford's size is going to be too much in that game. All right, so it's definitely been an exciting week of basketball. Uh, we've seen a lot of different celebrations, whether it's Timmy with his mustache celebration, uh, Suggs jumping onto the scorer's table after the game winner, or... Coach Barnes flipping off the world, I guess, for, for doubting their team. Uh, I want to talk a little bit more about our favorite basketball celebrations. Um, like I said, we, we know Timmy has his signature move. Um, what's your favorite basketball celebration that you could think of that, that, you, that you've seen? Man, there's a lot of good ones. Uh, the one I think I could, man, the first one I think I can remember as a kid or that comes always comes to my memory is the Darius Miles Q Rich celebration of tapping the forehead. I love that, fit. bro. I was I was out here smacking myself with the forehead for no reason. I was like, getting whenever like they were hooked up for hundred on my spelling tests, and now here doing this after getting, after getting <laughs> yeah. A's in my my history tests and whatnot. <laughs> yeah, whenever they were hooked up with plays, and that was you know their celebration they go to. I love that. I don't know if they even ever told anybody what that even meant. Like I can't remember if they ever said or if anybody knows. I'm, what I'm a. We gonna have a Google search after this. We yeah. gonna find out because if they if they did say it, I need to know because I was yeah. doing it. So I, I don't know what I was <laughs> doing, but I was doing it. I know that much. Yeah. So that was uh, one of my favorite. Another one is uh, kind of around that same era. The Stromile Swift uh, bird, you know, little bird yeah, with his hands. Boy, that boy Stromile. <laughs> he was my dude. And when Strowmouth yeah, wasn't throwing up for a three, Strowmouth threw it up when he dunked on you. Yeah, yeah, exactly. He dunked on you when he threw up that bird. I, bro, yeah. I, I didn't do that one as much because I can't dunk, and I feel like the only way you love to do that <laughs> is if you dunk. 
But damn it, if I if I could duck, I promise you I would have mimicked that one too. Yeah, I think that's a pretty good top two. Uh, you know, so there's a couple of, that come to mind for me. Uh, I know Vince Carter's little motorcycle gang thing that he used to do was yeah. a big one. Uh, obviously, Carmelo's still doing his three to the head. I think he started when he was in New York. Because I don't think Nuggets Carmelo was yeah, doing that. Yeah, I don't that. think he was doing that. Pretty sure that. Uh, I, I really wish James Harden was still putting people in the, in the spin cycle or whatever whatever that was. Uh -huh. uh, Mixing it up. I, I wish he was doing that, but if Ooh, I had to name a favorite, I, got one. I don't know if they. I don't think they invented it, but it's a little. It's a little off the board. What about Cynthia Cooper with the raising the roof back in the day? Ah, that's that's a good one, man. <laughs> I don't, like I said, I don't think it was an invention, but she definitely did do that. And then, I mean, for all the. I don't want to get all the LeBron fans upset. You know, I, I know the silencer. He likes to do that. Like, I know. Yeah, we, we get it. It's just not one of my favorites, but it's, it's a thing that happened. The... Yeah, the three to Jeff. Yeah. Ooh, that one's clean. Though, that, cause that yeah. one, you do that when it's over. Like, <laughs> Yeah, I, I like that one too. But if I had to pick a favorite, I honestly don't really think it's super close. That Sam Cassell, Big Balls, will for, uh, forever be my favorite, bro. Like, that... That'll get me going every time because he's the perfect person to do it because he's ugly as sin anyway. So then he's out here doing the big balls. That's that's my favorite one, man. Like, oh man, I used to love when Sam Cassell did that. Like, he made a fan out of me just for doing that. Uh, honorable mention though, the original Shimmy Antoine Walker. Yeah, that was that was next level shimmying right there. I mean, I know Steph got a little shimmy, but it ain't got shit on that Antoine Walker shimmy because he had different levels of shimmy. Like he was. He was the next level shimmier. Like that's like all pro shimmier. Like top five all time shimmier. So Ooh, that's another yeah, one what, I really liked. What about What's another that? honorable mention? The Wes Matthews with the bow and arrow. I like that one. Yeah, Wes Matthews with the bow. Uh, switching sports a little bit. Uh, Brandon Cooks got his little his little bow as well. Oh yeah, so, he got the little yeah. bow action also. Yeah, which is always funny yeah. to me. It always it always makes me think of like Cupid. Whenever I see somebody, yeah, doing, I don't that's what know I think why. of too. And I'm like, you just going after people's hearts or something? Like, I don't, I don't know. People falling in love with your game or something? Is that what's happening? Like, I don't, I don't. I'm well, I think that one else. always makes me laugh. I think one of the bigger ones. It's not a recurring one, but you know the. Uh, as much as I hated it at the time, was when Reggie Miller was jumping up and down on one foot, acting like his ankle hurt after he hit that three against the Bulls, oh. or. Or Jordan's big one when he hit the shot over Elo. So if we're looking at one like one time celebrations, those are definitely iconic. Oh, I mean, but, shoot, if we're gonna go one time celebrations, then Reggie's choke at you know. I mean, yeah, that's an yeah. all time one timer. That is an all time one timer. Or Arenas when he turned around after he <laughs> after he shot that shot and he put his arms <laughs> up for the game winner. Like, that might be the coldest thing I ever seen in my life was when he did that. Then Nick Young tried to copy it. He missed. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's not quite the same thing. I mean, you got to try it, right? The only way you you got to be confident, but that's the only way you can get to it. Yeah, if I had to pick a a recurring one, I think it's it's got to be the Sam Cassell one. Uh, you, okay, you got so the one, challenger uh, again? Yeah, another sport uh, honorable mention because it's just a one time thing. The um, Batista in Toronto home run against the Rangers. Where he oh, when he threw the hell out of that bat, thirty yeah. miles. That was the most, that was the most disrespectful <laughs> bat flip of all time, and I'm Did here he? for that because when it comes to baseball, like all their little unwritten rules, like 
Like, they can miss me with that. So anytime someone says, fuck your rules in baseball, I get super amped for that. Like, Tim Anderson's one of my favorite baseball players just because he don't care about them damn rules. Like, he's steady be throwing his bat all over the place. So, yeah, that Batista one's definitely a good one. He waited, too. Like, he gave it a good couple seconds. And <laughs> yeah, he was just like, think I ain't throwing it? I'm throwing this bat. Like, it wasn't even a flip. He just threw it. Like that was, <laughs> he, <didn't throw laughs> he did not flip it. He threw that damn thing. And then if we go and switch sports, because that opens it up. I mean, T.O. with the Sharpie. Uh, what's, T- what's T.O.'s best celebration? Is that, is that the best one, the Sharpie? His best celebration, you ain't going to like, is when he came on that damn star. That's his best celebration. I was thinking that one. Is that the best one probably is the star celebration? <laughs> when he did it the second time, too. Like, he got, <laughs> when, I think it was George T. came and hit him because he did it once and everybody got bad. And then, like, some, I think Emmett scored a touchdown, and Emmett went to the star, like, this is my star. And then he scored another touchdown, he went back to the star. <laughs> I think that's got to be T.O.'s best. I mean, yeah. I can't think of one that's better than that. Like, the Sharpie was cool. It, but but the think star, of Sharpie, too. Sharpie was Monday Night Football. Yeah. So, like, that's yeah. everybody watching. Also, just the confidence you have to have to run around with a Sharpie in your sock because you know you scored yeah. tonight. Like, <laughs> I'm scoring, so I'm just going to go ahead and put this here so yeah. that when I do score, I can go ahead and pull that Sharpie out. Like, oh. yeah, so man. I don't understand why football's got to let that happen, man. They got to open that back up. I don't, like, it's entertainment, right? Like, that's the whole thing you selling is entertainment, but then you out here telling people not to entertain. I don't get it. I really don't. That's just the NFL for you. That's the great thing about the NBA. Is the NBA lets you do whatever the hell you want on the court, really. Like, you could do all kinds of different celebrations, and they're here for it. Like, my man's literally acting like he has giant balls. And the NBA is like, sure, go ahead. <laughs> like, that's fine. Like, As long as you're not showing us your physical balls, then we're yeah, okay. Yeah, I mean, like, I mean, honestly, on that same note, Randy Moss got fined for fake mooning. I like, was he, just <laughs> thinking, I was like, think about the outrage Joe Buck would have had if he would have called wow. the Sam Cassell game, and he does that. Because he got so offended by someone faking, taking fake people. Let me spell that out. F-A-K-E. Fake. Taking down some I was hoping man. you ain't messed that up. I, no, I was like, I was too. spell it. Don't worry. I spelled it slow. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I hope we don't get this wrong. <laughs> We definitely published this. This is going to be the highest promoted podcast we've ever had. I'll get that everywhere. You spelled that wrong. (laughs) Yeah. I can't imagine Joe Bug doing a basketball. Like, that's probably why Joe Bug never went to basketball. Like, think about that. Yeah. No, I'm not going over there. (laughs) I wish we could get a hot mic, somebody asking that question, because I bet you that would be a scandal waiting to happen. (laughs) If you got a hot mic and ask, hey, Joe, why don't you do basketball? (laughs) Just play a bike in there. Jungle bunnies. I'm like, oh, he's gonna say something outlandish. I promise you, his career gonna be over that day. If you, that's a setup. If anybody wants to see Joe Buck's career over, set him up like that. That's what you need to do. Because <laughs> I promise you, he's gonna say some wild shit. Like that's that's exactly what would happen. But yeah, I mean, like that's just a difference. That shows the big difference between the two sports is because you can fake moon somebody and you get fine. But if you fake like big balls and like you juggling your big balls they're just like what a great celebration do it again next week sam that's just that's just what it is so yeah i mean there's there's a lot of great celebrations uh hit us up on twitter if you think we forgot any of the of the celebrations that are memorable for you um we'll we'll create we'll create a thread about that um but it's always great moments it makes things that are already memorable even that much more memorable 
when you have an iconic celebration to go with a with with a great play. Um, speaking of iconic, Roy Williams has decided to call it a career. He retired. Um, I think he's coached what thirty three years, fifteen at Kansas. 18 in North Carolina. If that's right, I'm super proud of myself because I did not <laughs> I study this. I mean, I'm I think pretty you're sure. very, very close to right. Yeah, so I'm, you know, this is why I have my own podcast because, you know, I, I know sports. Um, okay, let me let me do another one off the top. I think he has three champ championships because did he ever get one at Kansas? I don't think he ever got one at Kansas, did he? He got to a game, no. I think, with Heinrich and uh, Collison. But yeah, that, with that, Mello. Yeah, yeah. When, I think Melo gave him an L that, that year. Yeah. Uh, when Hakeem Warwick blocked that shot from, Woo. I think it was Lee in the corner. Yeah. And we were like, I don't know how the hell he got to that shot, but he got there. Um, but yeah, I think he had three ships all in North Carolina. Um, clearly a Hall of Fame coach. When you think of Roy Williams, like what's what's the, what's your Roy Williams memory? Man, just. Actually, this class, like he just, he seemed like a class act dude the whole time coaching for me. I know UNC had that little academic scandal, but I think that was kind of basketball, football. I think it was kind of a whole bunch of programs. That was that. more football. Okay, um, yeah. I think they had that maybe was a couple much players. More that was, yeah. Yeah, but so I mean, but class to me and just a coach that, you, you know, you I remember you kind of early saying you wouldn't kind of want to play for Mick Cronin. You could acknowledge that he's a good coach, but this wouldn't be your coaching style. To me, that's the opposite. Of, that's the total opposite of Roy Williams. Like, that's the guy you would definitely love playing for. Uh, a coach you could definitely talk to things, not just basketball life. He would, seemed like he would more than welcome you into his office to talk, not basketball things. You could go to him about anything. And I think I really noticed that when, uh, I think, I hope I got his first name right, Marcus Page uh, was there a few years ago and gave his senior night speech about Roy. And I just kind of showed you the type of dude that he, in character that he really has. And they, nothing but good things have ever been spoken about Roy Williams as a person, as a coach. And as a coach, his, I mean, you do it at UNC. It's a hard place to do it. And I, I mean, him, Dean Smith, what, that's about it really. I mean, I know that's a long legacy putting those two guys together, but they had some people in between that tried and they failed miserably. And that's why they had to go take Roy from Kansas after I think he actually turned him down a time or two before when uh, Dean might have first, you know, left and they had to go to Doherty. Was it Doherty right? And then somebody else maybe, I think. I think there was somebody between Dean and Doherty, but they definitely went to Doherty. Yeah. And then, so, he turned that program back around and got it to where UNC wants their basketball program to be. And we'll see going forward how that goes, but I'm worried for them, honestly. I don't think... uh I think they're going to make that mistake that teams do with trying to go in, uh, in the family, trying to find a UNC guy. And I don't think they should do that. I think they should go outside the box, quite honestly, and find the best coach available for their program moving forward. But I think that's going to take time. They, you know, they usually say you never want to follow the guy. You want to follow the guy following the guy. And I think that's probably going to be right for this UNC job also. Yeah, which is probably why he turned it down the first time because he would have been following the guy. And he was like, nah, I know better than that. I'm going to go do this Kansas thing for a little while. Um, when I think of Roy, man, I think of him getting down in the stance, you know, with his fists out like that, just getting really, really low, lower than you probably should because I don't think you can play defense that low. But <laughs> that's what I think of. You know, he was, like you said, he kind of seems like the, 
like the the guy to invite anybody into his home, you know what I mean? Like just a class act, great basketball coach. I do think it was probably time. I, I think his quote was like, he was no longer the right man for the job. And I think, I think at some point the way the game changes, I mean, you could obviously still coach, but I think at some point it passes you by a little bit. I think we're seeing that honestly in Syracuse with Bayheim. That takes a lot for him to open. say, though. Like, that's yeah, hard I mean, to swallow. I think we're honestly seeing it in Duke with Krzyzewski. I think Krzyzewski, it's interesting, the pivot he made, he was like, you know, I think it's a different game, and I'm not able to coach it the same way, but I'm going to use my name, and I'm just going to get the best players out there. <laughs> that's what I'm going to win. Because he never used to get, like, the one and done. And then he just switched it up. He was like, hey, I mean, it might be different, and I might not be able to out-coach you. But I can out recruit you. I know that much. So that's that's kind of how he made that shift to kind of create add more years to his career. But you know, I thought it was like you said, it's awful big of him because a lot of people would just keep taking the check, and because it wasn't like they was gonna fire him. So he could, he pretty much. I know Bill Self just signed a lifetime contract. Roy Williams, I don't think had a lifetime contract, but ultimately, I don't think they were getting rid of him anytime soon. So for him to step down and like kind of take a look back, take a step back and be like, you know, I'm not having North Carolina basketball where I believe and where the alumnus believe North Carolina basketball should be. I think that's awful big of him. I think he's right. To your point, I'm also concerned that they're going to take the Michigan football route where they want to get a, a UNC man, much the way that Michigan's always talking about we want a Michigan man. Um, I've heard rumors of Hubert Davis. I like Hubert Davis. I'm not sure I'm giving him that job. I mean, if you go and get an alum, it might as well be somebody with, like, like give me Anton Jameson. You know what I mean? <laughs> give me Ed. No, if anything, like, just go get Jerry Stackhouse Joseph from Vanderbilt. At least somebody who's coat like, you know what I mean? Like, go get Jerry You know, I, I didn't even think about that. But that that makes a lot of sense right there because at least he's got some cachet. And, and then, oh, the suits that man's going to wear to that game. Like, <laughs> <laughs> you get Jerry Stack. And I shoot. know he got a Carolina blue suit. He's just ready to wear. Yeah, and I think that'll bring kind of a Michigan vibe to it, like Juwan Howard's doing right now. I think it'll, I think you'll have a lot of dudes that'll, the kids recruited might not necessarily be a Jerry, but their family members, their uncles will be like, "Yo, Jerry Stackhouse was the truth." Jerry Stackhouse, Jerry Stackhouse, and I think that word of mouth through family members going down, and then they look up because everybody got YouTube, everybody got the internet. They go YouTube, they gonna see Jerry, they be like, "Ooh, that's my coach." Let's let let me learn from this guy. Yeah, man. I mean, I hadn't thought of that one, but Jerry Stackhouse, even though I don't think from a resume standpoint he's earned it per se, but at the same time, Vanderbilt's a tough place to win, so I don't know if I blame him for that. But I think you get Jerry back in Chapel Hill, you know, he's obviously done it before. I mean, he was he was nice at UNC. He was nice in the league. He was a twenty point scorer in the league play with Jordan, you know what I mean? Like, he's got all the cachet that you would want. He he can sit there and look at you and, like, I've done it on this campus, you know what I mean? Did he... Did you, I'm going to put you on the spot because I don't know the answer. Did he win a ship for UNC in college? I, I want to say no. I don't think he I'm going to say no. Yeah, I feel like you sure. know those UNC guys that won a ship because pretty much it's those Jordan guys that play with Jordan. So that's like... Yeah, same, that's like word... Yes, and... uh Sam, Perkins. Uh, yeah, Perkins. And then it's like those. So then now you got to start going older. So then it's like, what, May, that May range. And then. 
Uh, yeah, McCants range and May McCants. Yeah, range. that's that May McCants. But then before that, it was the Jameson. Jameson Carter Coda got one, didn't they? I want to say no. They ain't get one. I don't that think team was so. nasty. Just uh, I'm a. You have to we look. Don't normally I, do. I'm gonna say no. I'm looking this up right you now. You go ahead, and keep talking. I'm because about to look this up. <laughs> I don't know because the only reason I'm saying is no is I can't imagine who they beat it, unless. Oh, were they the team that beat Michigan, or but was that the game before? No, who was that team? No, I think that Michigan was. That was in the in the nineties. Jameson and them was was later than that. Oh yeah, yeah. No, that's early. I guess different nineties. So yeah, but um, like you're saying, Stackhouse. Uh, Wes Miller, I think, is a name that's being brought up a lot, who's coaching right down the road at uh, Greensboro. I, so this is another off-board guy who is actually coaching this week, or actually coaching Monday. I think if if he wins, I think it'd be hard to get him. But if he loses, I, why not go get Drew from Baylor? Like, you you can plug I don't think they get I don't think they plug. I mean, if they can, they'd absolutely do it. But I don't think he's going anywhere i really don't see that you think he's like why would he i mean i it's i know you built it to where it is but if you can build baylor up like what can't you do at unc i mean you ain't wrong but at the end of the day no matter what you do at unc dean smith built that you know what i mean yeah Roy williams is that dude my my thing is I always, every time people at Baylor that's the old place. Guys through and they're like, why would he leave Baylor? I'm like, my old my first response always is, have you ever been to Waco? And that's my my first response every time somebody says, that. I'm like, I've not been. I'm been surprised he hasn't left faster. But he's, I think, I think he would leave Baylor for UNC. Honestly, I don't think there's a lot of jobs he would leave Baylor for because if he like you said, if he's doing this at Baylor, why would you? leave you can obviously do this anywhere but i think that would present a new challenge for him you know you go into the acc with those dudes that are primarily on the older side you got some younger coaches basically bennett i guess is probably the youngest coach and one of the youngest coaches in that conference with a lot of guys on the older side but i like you said i don't know if they want to go that route because it probably ends up being very expensive but that's a coach I would go after if I'm UNC. I'm not trying to take a step back, honestly. And if they don't get an established coach or someone with the vision going forward that they need for that UNC program, I think they might go. They might take a step back, and it might be for a while. Yeah, I mean, you got to at least try, I guess. Um, they did not win a ship, by the way. That's okay, I didn't think so. I, I just couldn't imagine who they'd be is why I was saying no. Usually I can... Usually I can see the losing team first, but I couldn't I'm see a losing to think team. Who the hell beat them? Like that was Anton Jameson, Vince Carter. That's the problem with the NCAA tournament. Just Coda. One bad game. Like this is why this year is one of the few times we can't complain about a champion. Like this is a true champion in the NCAA tournament. Yeah, I mean you ain't wrong about that because both those teams, whoever wins it, like. That's a hell of a team, you know what I mean? Yeah, we'll just, say it. Like, okay. got pros. Because there, there's years where, uh, like the, uh, the Kimba year, like were they really the best team that year? I mean, no. I mean, I think the Shabazz year is even a, a better example. A better example. Okay, yeah. So we'll go Shabazz yeah. year, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I mean they, the Kimba year is a good example. Don't get me wrong. But they but, got I hot. Mean, Big East hurt. Well, yeah. I mean, I guess the Shabazz team did too, didn't they? Yeah, but like. 
who else was on the Shabazzi? <laughs> like, was you know that Lamb? Like, was it Lamb on the team? But or was Lamb with Kimba? Was Lamb on both of them? Maybe it's was Lamb. Maybe. <laughs> was, was I feel Lamb like it was close. <laughs> I feel like if he wasn't on both of them, it was like it was close. Man, Dang, like was it? <laughs> Dang, another one. I need, we need to bring Google to this page. Yeah, but either but, way, uh, like those teams weren't like like really supposed to win it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, so the like there's examples of teams kind of stealing the ship. You know what yeah. I mean? Like in the but this year, these were the two that were supposed to be in the championship. So at the end of the and, day, like we're getting our money's worth. Like, and then I think there no are also years where like there are teams where they do win the ship and they were like I will say a true champion, but the team they might have faced wasn't one of the top tier teams. Like yeah, they end I, up you get some of those matchups sometimes too. Yeah, I mean, honestly, like, when you look at Houston as a Final Four team, like, I don't want to take anything away from them, but the road they took to get there was about as easy as you could draw it up, really, because, I mean, they played, obviously, they played a 15. I don't remember what 15 it was. But at least Houston was was a top team most of the year, though. No, no, no. I'm not saying, like, they were a bad team. I'm not, I'm, it's not anything in Houston. No, I know what you're saying. I'm just, but they played double digit seeds all the way up until they played Baylor. Like it was, like I said, the 15th they play, I can't think of who it was. I guess, I I guess I give them more credit. Syracuse. Then over like, it was Oregon state, right? Yeah. I guess I give more credit over like that UConn team that won because at least with that Houston team, I knew they were a top 10 team basically all year. And that UConn team that did win. I mean, they were up and down. They were a roller coaster that year until that was the same year that Kimball hit that step back, right? Yeah, and the Biggie's tournament. And the Biggie's tournament when he had old boy stumbling. Ooh. He ruined McGee's career. I don't even think he got a job overseas. They were like, "Are you the dude that was on the ground?" <laughs> like, nah, we can't. Looking for spare change. Step back in front of you for no reason. They Looking for spare change. Step back, like. <laughs> yeah, it was. It was all bad, but. Yeah, it's kind of crazy, like how these type of things just kind of in college basketball. That's what's great about the tournament. That's why they call it March Madness, is because you don't have to be the best team to win ship. Really, you just have to be the hottest team. Um, this year, we're gonna have basically this is for the right to be called the best team because this is the matchup we wanted to see. You know, Gonzaga was undefeated, but we didn't necessarily know if they were any better than Baylor. Uh, Baylor took a few hiccups, like you mentioned. Baylor definitely was in a more competitive conference. So, really, this is really the crown, you know? This is the type of thing to where whoever wins this game, you, you're really going to crown them. Like, you got to, it's like, you know, lions in the wild, right? Like, the two alpha males fight, and then whoever wins that fight gets to gets to be king, you know? So, we get to find out who Simba is pretty soon here on Monday. So, it's a different year. It's, like you said, it's it's one of the few years where you have great versus great in the championship game, and you get to see who, who dukes it out. So I hope you're wrong in the fact that I don't want to see a 10-point game. I want to see a close game because it would be kind of disappointing to have all this anticipation build up and then have somebody win relatively easily. It would be a little disappointing, but I'm looking forward to Monday for sure. Hell, I'm looking forward to Sunday because I want to see Arizona get, get, get this ship. That's what I want to see. So it's going to be – I said it was a great weekend of basketball. The weekend ain't over. It's going to be – even better here come mon- by Monday. We're going to extend the weekend out a little bit. You know, we got Easter Sunday, so we're going to call this a four-day weekend of basketball. 
Yeah, so moving on, we talked a lot of basketball today uh, with good reason. There was a lot of things to cover. Uh, but let's switch gears a little bit to the NFL, kind of, I guess. We have a lot of pro days going on. I guess we're not in the NFL yet. Um, what were some of your impressions of the pro days? We had a lot of impressive pro days. We had one that kind of sticks out to me that maybe wasn't as impressive. <laughs> um, what were your thoughts after seeing this slate of pro days uh, go down this week? Uh, I was, you know, I don't, I'm not one of those guys that bumps people pretty much up off of stock or uh, off of pro days, bumps up their stock off of that. I see the tape, the tape pretty much doesn't lie already. I, you can, I like some numbers to see how much faster somebody might be than I thought. If they, I don't think they look as fast on tape. And then I see the numbers. I'm like, Oh, that's a little bit faster than I thought. Uh, Jamar Chase being one of those people who, ran a pretty damn fast 40 time. And then Pitts also running another fast 40 time at that size. And, you know, that, that's, whew, that's fast. Yeah, so four, four. Yeah. So, I mean, besides that, but with the quarterbacks, especially, um, Mac Jones, his pro day, okay, was all right. The tape. Like I said, it's all right. He's throwing to a lot of weapons that are going to be drafted really high. But I just don't see the hype around him. And, I, you know, he had his pro day or whatever, whatever, and I didn't see many people actually hyping him up off of that. I think they had already been kind of sold on him, and he's already moving up the draft pretty high. But if I'm getting a guy like that, man, he's got to be special. And when I just see Mac Jones, I just don't see special. I I just see a dude, and I, that scares me for the Niners moving up to get somebody like him when you probably have somebody like Fields who's going to fall into your lap at three when you, who's right there. I mean, we still don't know what the Jets are doing at two. They can, everybody can say that we do know that they're going to take a quarterback, but we j- just don't know that yet. So are you going to take Mac Jones over Zach Wilson too? If he doesn't get drafted, I don't think so, but who knows? So I, um, I'm i really interested to see how this goes, but I I enjoy Justin Fields' pro day. I, he showed me he showed me some of the same things that uh, Zach Wilson showed me in his pro day. He had a script, you know, of course, everything throws scripted, blah, blah, blah. A rollout, basically, to running left and you want to throw right kind of down the middle or straight. And he made a dime throw that I saw Zach Wilson made that I praised online, but I had to praise Justin Fields for also. So I like those two guys a lot over the other quarterbacks that are rising in this draft. Of course, you know, Lawrence is the presumed number one, the Jags. I think we all can just take that off the board. So I think a lot of guys just kind of kept, even with what we were already seeing, I don't think anybody really stood out on pro day. I'm just, I think we're just waiting for the draft, honestly, to see what San Francisco is going to do with that three spot. If they're choosing between Mac Jones and Justin Fields, maybe they're, maybe they're okie doking us. Maybe I don't know why they would okie doke us, but maybe they're yeah, okie doking us. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, a lot of what you're alluding to is kind of the rumors that we're hearing about Mac Jones going three to the, to the 49ers. Um, for me, 
Pro days, I've never really put a stock into. I mean, even the combine to me wasn't a big deal. But what I like about the combine is everybody's in the same place. So it's all relative. So if you're looking at 40 times, you're comparing them to everybody who ran with you that same day. Same field, same conditions, same time of day, basically. Same everything. Whereas on pro days, they're not even all electric timed. Some of them are hand timed by your coaches and you know what I mean so it's like okay like did he really run this um <laughs> or oh, we got some fake then, 40 times you think <laughs> yeah man like if you look at every year you look at a combine they'll run a four or five at the combine they'll go oh, to the pro day after that and they ran a four three five I'm like it's the same dude like two weeks you got you got one point you got point one five faster in two weeks like that's what I'm supposed to believe so we know that that pro days always have a faster time I don't know if there's much stock to put into it. Like, really, it's really unfortunate that we don't have a combine. Because, like I said, combine, at least all things are equal. It's kind of done in as closest to a vacuum as you can do as far as, regardless of what this means, like, how it translates to the, to the game field, because I think there's some questions to be had there. At least at that point, I can say he's faster than this person because they ran... A, and the same outfit on the same field, the same day. We did it twice. This is how much faster he actually is. Does he play that fast? That's a different thing. That's where the tape is. So I don't know how much stock I put into it. Like I see some of these throws and I'm like, okay, but like it was scripted. You're not in pads. There's not any real pressure. Like you've probably been practicing this exact throw specifically for the scouts for the last, you know what I mean? Like, that's not like making that throw kind of like on the fly in a real game. You don't like you're scrambling. Like that's different than okay, I'm gonna roll out here and then I'm gonna set my feet and I'm gonna throw this shit 50 yards on the field, right? Like that's not the same thing. So it's impressive to watch. I think it's entertaining. Like I'm a big combine guy. Like like I'm sitting here. Like when the combine's on, I'm I'm sitting there 6 a.m. watching that, talking about how great so and so's hips are and yelling at the TV, like, I'm, I'm that dude. But at the same time, See him open up hips. I just find See him open up hips. Yeah, I'm like, I'm like, oh, look how loose his hips are. Get out of there. You know, they, you know when they throw it, they're like, get out of there. I'm out here yelling at him, too. Um, but at the same time, I also understand that, like, it's not, like, the end-all, be-all. Like, for me, it's just really entertaining because I'm a sports nerd like that. But to your point, if we're making this into, like, a job interview, I mean, if we're making this, like, a job, the tape is your resume and your interview. Like to me, it's it's both of those things. Like combine is like checking your references. You know what I mean? Like at that point, you're like, okay, he looks fast. Okay, yeah, you say he's fast. Okay, yeah. But like, it really isn't moving the meter. The only thing that it can do for you, a lot like your references, is maybe have some sort of red flag that you weren't aware of on tape. Like, oh, he looks fast. Like let's say you have a small school kid, and he looks fast, and then he goes. You think he's a four four guy and he's a four seven. Like, okay, that's that's a red flag. Like, is he maybe he isn't fast enough for the league. He was just fast in his league. You know what I mean? But if he played Big Twelve, SEC, ACC, he ain't running away from everybody if he's a four seven guy. You know what I mean? Like that's just ain't what that's happening. So I don't know. It's pro days I put even less stock into than the combine, so I'm not sure if I learned anything. Pitts running a four 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 at six six is impressive, even if it's probably a four five at the combine. Yeah. That's still a big man running really fast. So, and Jamar Chase kind of again, 
I don't know how real the four three four is, but let's say it is real. Right. Either way, even if it's not real, let's even say it's four four. Like, yeah, I mean, like that's still plenty fast because <laughs> the big knock on him was that he wasn't a burner. Four four is a burner in my opinion. So yeah. I don't know that it really moved the meter for anybody. Like I don't think anybody's draft stock really changed. No, it's just something that we do to kind of bridge the gap between now in the draft you know what i mean like it's just as a football junkie it's just something else to talk about between now and when they're actually getting picked or when the trades are made or so on and so forth so i'm not sure how big i am on that like so so, so my question is when did mac jones's stock jump like so i'm gonna tell you like the, thing? no i'm gonna tell you the whole timeline on this like essentially last year when I say last year, I mean Joe Burrow's senior year at LSU. He basically was had one year of tape. He was phenomenal. Throwing to pros. Like, Jordan Jefferson was the second best receiver on that team. We saw what he did with Minnesota. I mean, he had, there's two first-round picks this year that, that he was throwing to. But at the end of the day, throwing to pros, I was saying the same thing you were saying. Whereas, like, I like Joe Burrow, but my man's throwing to legit pros. Like, SEC all you want to, these dudes are league that he's throwing to. So, what does that really mean? But we see that, and we saw this progression, and then his stock soared all the way up to number one. And I liked what I saw out of him from the the Bengals um, in his games before he got hurt. But, but he kind of ascended, basically just throwing the pros. And like, but he ascended throughout a year. Mac, Mac Jones ascended after the year, like even when the year not was really. done. The year Mac was Jones done. ascended throughout the year. I mean, like okay, Mac Jones playing, was but a, after the year was done. First mock drafts coming out, he was not in front of Fields. He wasn't even in front of old boy from uh, Dakota State. They had him as the fifth rated quarterback. Now he's going to be the third coming off the board. Yeah, third I mean. Like, At the end of the day, like, you got to think right after the year is done, they haven't reviewed the tape yet. So, like, right after the season, he was fifth. They reviewed the I tape mean, and he moved past Trask. Pretty... To that point. I mean, yeah, mock it all year. If but that's, they, honestly, again, mock draft in the beginning of the year, in the middle of the year, is just content at that point in time. Like, they're just throwing some shit out there for you to read because they want clicks. The real mock drafts, like, really start coming now. Like, after a pro day, after trades. Like, this is when you're really going to have... I mean, even still, you're going to be wrong, because that's just how the drafts work. But this, like, not necessarily your mock drafts, but your list as far as your top five. Your, like, for instance, mine will be coming out soon as far as my top whatever. Like, now is really the time to see that, because you have all the information that you're going to have. You've had the time to review the tape. Mac Jones's stock, probably before this season, was a lot like Zach Wilson's, was like a third, second, third fourth round pick so his stock is sore to to your point he was like a late first round pick by the end of the year just from one year of tape really is seeing him this year they were like okay well he went from a guy that we weren't sure about to i think is a first rounder now how he's gone from mid first round to top five that's a san francisco thing because i don't think anybody else thinks he's better than Justin fields i think San Francisco thinks he's better than Justin Fields. I think that's the end of the list. Well, maybe Mac Jones' mama, 
Like, <laughs> maybe that's the... Like, because I was listening to Bomani Jones, and Bomani Jones even said, he's like, you know who wouldn't take Mac Jones over uh, Justin Fields? Nick Saban. That's who, that's who would. <laughs> yeah, I heard so, that. I, I don't think there's a lot of people in the Mac Jones over Justin Fields camp, but at the end of the day, if the 49ers are at three and they're in that camp, then he's going to go ahead of them. So- I have a question. Or it might be a it might be a reach. It might be the farthest reach. Is this Bill Belichick messing with the Niners again? Like, think about this. Before the Niners moved up to that spot and started talking Mac Jones, the team I heard talk about Mac Jones the most was the Patriots because they were like, "Oh, Mac Jones will probably fall to that Patriots range." Blah blah blah. And I heard a lot of people. I mean, not a lot of people. A few people were talking up the Patriots picking Mac Jones. Next thing you know, the 49ers move up. They talking Mac Jones. Now, we all know the Jimmy G thing with the, you know, that whole thing of t- supposedly Bill Belichick wanting to move on and Brady saying, nah, get this guy out of here, basically. And what does Bill Belichick do? He ships him out to San Francisco to supposedly help those guys. So, like, are they taking so much stock in what Bill Belichick says again? Like, is this is this John Lynch trying to copy him again and maybe Bill tricking him again? I mean... I hope not, because <laughs> if that's what happened, they all need to be fired. Like, if at this point, if you out here, that's like a college coach using 24-7 sports or Rivals.com for their rankings. Like, you're supposed to be able to do this shit on your own. You shouldn't need somebody else for that. So if you're John Lynch and you're out here just spygating the Patriots, basically, figuring out what the Patriots would do, even if they're right, you need to be fired, because at that point, you ain't even... It ain't even your own opinion. Like, you getting this from somebody else. And specifically, if they already tricked you once, like, because Jimmy G ain't it. Like, the fact that you're here trading up the three to get somebody is because you got tricked the last time. So if they do this again, I don't care if Mac Jones is becoming a Hall of Famer. They all need to be fired just on principle. Like, that's just how I feel about it. Like, you can't let somebody, like, you know the old saying, like, fool me once, shame on shame on you, right? Like, how you gonna let them do it again? Like that that wouldn't I hope that's not true. And I'm not gonna sit here and say it ain't because I don't know the information. No. But if that's but true, that, they all that, that's just the only out. team I heard because because this is so this is how it kind of I thought it or how it fell out. You know, Lawrence was going, Wilson was going, Fields was going, and presume was, you know, you have two QBs left, but the Panthers are really in love with old boy from North uh um Trey Lance. So basically, Mac, you know, no other teams really need one at that point. Basically, fall into the Patriots, and the Patriots really love them. So I, I think there might be something to it. It's far fetched, but like you said, trick me once, trick me twice. But they look like the type to get tricked, and they might get tricked again. Man, get them all out of there. This is all I gotta say. If that somehow we confirm that to be true, all all of them gotta go. We, we gotta get I saw nobody back. talking up Mac Jones but the Patriots. Nobody. And then all of a sudden, the 49ers. I just, I don't get it, but whew, I hope it works out for them because I know a lot of Niners fans. I'm going to be on them. <laughs> Mac Jones can't be a number three pick. That's just how I feel about it. Like, he has no star potential. Like, he could be a, I think he could be a good QB in the league. I don't think it's beyond the realm of possibility that he's a good quarterback. But you don't want to look for what's good. What's his effort. ceiling? Like Andy Dalton, is that his ceiling? I mean, I don't want to say ceiling Andy Dalton. Like that's just rude. 
Like <laughs> ceiling, I mean, ceiling. Andy Dalton at one point was like a Pro Bowl caliber kind of quarterback. Okay, so this actually brings me to a pet peeve. <laughs> Just because you made a Pro Bowl doesn't make you Pro Bowl caliber. And I know that sounds stupid, but the way the NFL works is there's a <laughs> lot of replacements. In the Pro Bowl. By the time you get to the actual Pro Bowl, you're on like the sixth, like, like you know what I mean? Like, people ain't accepting that rose. You know what I mean? Like, people are just turning that down. Like, they're either hurt or if they're playing the Super Bowl, they can't play. There's a lot of people that played in the Pro Bowl that were afterthoughts. So, miss me with that Andy Dalton <laughs> Pro Bowl shit. Chill. <laughs> Chill with all that. I feel like, like you can think it's on their resume. Like, you know, I was a Pro yeah, Bowl I mean, once. You know, got a couple I, Pro Bowl. I mean, if I'm Andy Dalton, I'm putting it on there. You know what I mean? Like, it don't mean nothing. But hey, I'm when you it introduce on me, there. introduce me as Pro Bowl quarterback Andy Dalton, damn it. Oh, <laughs> uh, you know, I'm just Pro Bowl. Pro Bowl Andy Dalton. <laughs> You're gonna be like Ocho Cinco and change his name to Pro Bowl. Hey, <laughs> it's like my middle name. That wiki, it stayed Pro Bowl for whatever year that was, damn it. <laughs> this is why nobody likes the Pro Bowl. Like you just you just nailed why nobody likes the Pro Bowl. Because Andy Dalton could be playing. Like you can talk all you want about the NBA All-Star game. Whoever the hell the NBA equivalent of Andy Dalton ain't gonna be playing in that damn All-Star game. I promise you that. Like, we ain't got no Andy Daltons in the NBA All-Star game. They don't get that, that many rejections from people to make it down that far. Yeah, like, you ain't going to see uh, Kevin Herter out here playing in the, <laughs> in the All-Star game. Like, he's going to have a lot of improvement to do to get there. But I ceiling for Mac Jones, maybe Phillip Rivers? Ceiling? Man. But you got to okay, the truth, though. Like, okay, but you understand my theory on ceilings, right? No, like, break it down. Most people don't get there. Yeah, like most people don't get there. Like, so when I say ceiling, I'm not saying what I expect him. You're to just saying do. if he can get there, that's saying the ceiling. His best case scenario He's is Philip Rivers. Like, I think that's probably as good as it gets for him. And I mean, that's. Borderline Hall of Fame, right? Yeah. I so, mean, I mean, if you're Philip Rivers, you are Hall of Fame, but I'm not saying. Yeah. That. So, do I think Mac Jones? I think there's a much better chance that he ends up being Andy Dalton. Yeah. I think that's probably a good. I'd probably call that his comp as far as like his career as Andy Dalton. I just, I just feel back on his ceiling. Like, either way. The more the most realistic idea of Mac Jones is someone that you don't get at the third pick in the draft. Like that's not what you want. Like because I've seen Kirk Cousins thrown around, Andy Dalton. Like that's his most realistic kind of range as far as who he is. If and, you know who you know what if he turns out to be Christian Ponder, those two guys should never get a job again. Like if he turns out like Christian Ponder was a like wasn't good. He was pretty pretty damn high. If he turns out to be Christian Ponder, then Lynch, Shanahan, gone forever. Shanahan, you can only ever be an OC again. You should never be a head coach again. Like this is this is a make or break for these two guys. Like to, Yeah, this is a lot. How, how do you pull Christian Ponder? That's because I, I was thinking talking. about it for the longest. I was like, who was that? <laughs> I ain't heard Minnesota? Christian Ponder's name. <laughs> I ain't heard Christian Ponder's name in forever. Ooh, was, speaking of Minnesota, I think a good comp for him is like a Sam Bradford. 
Like, I think that's a good comp as far as his career. Sam Bradford okay. had a lot of talent, but yeah. the way his career panned out, I could see Mac Jones' but career. Sam Bradford's pro- also problem was he was freaking Mr. Glass. Like, he, every time he got hit, he was broken shoulder, broken bone, broken this. Like, he made a lot yeah. of money. Like, he, he a legend at the bank, no doubt. I'm sure he's sitting on a beach somewhere chilling. He might be like Ski Mask Hall of Fame, to be honest with you. Like, when you really think about that, like, he made a lot of money, and there was never a time when you were like, oh, he's that dude. Like, ever. He could sling it when he was, like, healthy, like, for the rare times. At Oklahoma. That's when he could sling <laughs> it. Oklahoma. <laughs> it's nasty in Oklahoma. Like, is there more QBs? I mean, outside of their recent, like, you know, with Baker and Kyler, and, well, the jury's out with Jalen Jalen Hurts, but... They had a lot of QBs before that, and none of them pretty much panned out. Like Jason White, trash. Hypo was trash. But this is the thing Bradford about QBs in the NFL. Like very most good. QBs that go on to succeed, they're not throwing the studs in college because you just it it's not the same. You got to throw the basically dudes that aren't open. Like that's the NFL. Like you got to throw the dudes that aren't open, and you can't miss when dudes are open. That's the two things you can't fucking do, basically. Can't miss when they're wide open, and you got to throw when dudes ain't open. It sounds dumb or whatever it sounds like, but that's what you got to do. You got to make completions when the dude really wasn't that open. Yeah. Like, you got to hit at, small windows. Yeah. And when you're at these top schools, a lot of the times your wide receivers are wide butt naked open. I mean, they're not butt naked open a lot, but they're open. You know what I mean? Like, they got separation by a good five yards. And in NFL, Or it's a 50-50 ball, and they just go get it. Yeah. And in NFL, you're not going to have that separation. Like it's got to be on time. It's got to be in the right spot or a DB's knocking it down or a DB's picking it off or a linebacker's knocking it down or not linebacker's picking it off or a safety's coming over the top to pick it off or not. You know what I mean? Like, so when you're at Oklahoma, you're at a Ohio state, you're at a big time program, Alabama, these schools that get quarterbacks drafted high a lot of the times. And we say, man, these guys will never pan out. Well, it's probably because they're throwing the guys that are a lot of times way better than the DBs they're going up against, you know, more talented, and they just have better weapons. So they're going to see things a lot quicker, and we go through these guys, we're like, man, he he, he, read, he can go through his reads. He, you see him, he's reading one, reading two, reading three. Well, yeah, you got All-American offensive linemen in front of you also blocking and giving you the time. I need a guy that's at a, not a great, great school with not great weapons that – doesn't have that time, doesn't have that weapons, has got to make those quick decisions. I think that's why now we're seeing a lot of the guys that are succeeding in the league and they're the top guys. I mean, I guess you could say Deshaun Watson was at Clemson, so you can't really put him in that mix. But, like, Pat Mahomes did. Might not be in that mix anymore anyway. Yeah, he might take himself out of that mix. But uh, Pat Mahomes at Texas Tech, you have Aaron Rodgers that played at Cal. You have um, Lamar Jackson at Louisville. So a lot of those guys didn't play with those same type of uh, Josh Allen, Wyoming. Josh Allen, Wyoming. So you have a lot Brady of Brady was at Michigan, but he didn't even really get to stay yeah. at Michigan. Like he was so, part time quarterback in Michigan. Yeah, and then you know, so you don't have a lot of those weapons those guys didn't have. Because I was like, I can't name a damn weapon those guys had. Basically, so I just think that's uh, a lot of times the reasoning for these quarterbacks in the NFL mainly coming from schools where. They either they maybe weren't as good as you thought they were going to be, or just smaller schools because they're just throwing in the title. They're having to make more plays basically for themselves. They're having to ball out a little bit harder. Yeah, I mean, it, it takes me back to a quote that I've heard Troy, Troy Aikman say when he was talking about his rookie year at the Cowboys. 
and he was talking about he was playing and he was holding on to the ball and he would he would throw it away and his coach was like why why'd you throw it away and he was like cuz nobody was open and then he said okay and ran another play he threw it away again and his coach was like what are you doing and he was like nobody was open and then he just this coach just looked at him and he's like look that's open in this league so throw the damn ball and i mean this is ultimately exactly what you're talking about is like okay open just looks different in the nfl like in college if you're playing against if you're playing with studs open looks like three yards five yards of separation yeah. in the nfl you got half a yard is what you're looking at and <laughs> yeah. that's open like you got to make that throw so it's definitely a different ball game uh and i think it's to your point a reason why a lot of the best quarterbacks even if they went to a bigger school they just didn't go to a school that had those weapons because like i think of russell wilson he was at nc state and he was at wisconsin which are big schools but name a receiver on either one of those teams that I he mean, played with not many, can't do it. i mean yeah a big school in theory but wisconsin ain't really ever put out wide receivers so he was going to a school yeah. that was basically a run heavy school anyway like yeah and nc state like they didn't have really that guy there either like how i'm thinking about it, other than Deshaun watson like is there really a, I mean, even, I mean, Breeze is obviously not a long time ago, but that's Purdue. Like, yeah, that's but I mean, that's saying. Purdue. Like, they, he didn't have a pretty much, either. You pretty much want to take a QB. They ain't got no weapons. That's why I think like Zach Wilson might be a guy like, I mean, hey, Zach Wilson got a pro, like, uh, Dax, I think it's Milne or I don't know how to say his name. M-I-L-N-E is a pro. So yeah. He will be drafted. Like that dude's yeah. a pro. And then Gunnar Romney, I think he probably would have been drafted, but he got hurt. I'm not even sure if he went into the draft or not. But don't sleep on the BYU boys. That boy Dax Milne is, is a pro. But okay. to your greater point, he ain't throwing to the same dudes that Mac Jones is throwing to. Like yeah. He ain't doing that. Or Kyle Trask, who was a really big name for a while, and his stock has kind of fallen off. Like You got to think about it. He was throwing to two first-rounders. Like, yeah, so that's... Kadarius I mean, Tony that and, and you right Pitts there, are both like, going for... Yeah. You couldn't do it with dudes like that? Okay, yep, I'm going to... That off real quick. <laughs> I mean, he did do it, but like, yeah, he, to your point though, like, those guys rarely pan out. And we'll see what happens with Burrow, we'll see what happens with Tua, and we'll see what happens with Lawrence, and we'll see what happens with Mac Jones because I think a lot of them are starting to get that opportunity at least. Fields would be in that mix as well. Yeah. Um, but right now, I think. The odds aren't in their favor because usually if you're throwing the pros in college, then you won't be throwing the pros very long in the pros because you're going to get replaced because it just doesn't work out. But that's our show today. I appreciate you guys listening. Um, make sure you tune in to the women's championship game and the men's championship game. Get a lot of basketball this weekend. I hope you guys have a great Easter, and we'll holler at y'all next week with the results. Take care. Thanks for listening to the Media Timeout Podcast. Mahomes looking to flip, takes it in for the touchdown. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at MTO Sports and visit our website, MediaTimeoutSports.com, for more content.